We try and get to the bottom of these Graham Arnold reports on the splash today before assessing Jeff Horn's next move. It's Thursday, the 14th of December. Yeah, welcome into the splash. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. The UK's son has broken explosive allegations of match fixing, connecting uh, to the third Ashes test, which is now underway in Perth. Uh, And this story is still well and truly unfolding. It's been the biggest on the foxsports.com.au website today. The ICC has launched an investigation. Cricket Australia's James Sutherland has come out and addressed the media, effectively calling BS on all of this, but still so much to play out as this story develops and we will look to try to uncover more on the splash tomorrow. Um, but still plenty else going on in the sporting world, of course. The, the, the third Ashes test in Perth is now underway and I would invite all the Splash listeners to head to the website for updates on all the match-fixing stuff as well as updates um, on day one of this Ashes test, which has provided entertainment in the first session. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, we're also going to uh, cover Jeff Horn's latest victory in the ring and what it means for his career moving forward. Liam Fitzgibbon on the splash a bit later to chat about that. But first up on the splash, I've, uh, I've grabbed Adam Peacock into <laughs> the podcast bunker very briefly. Kidnap me. Where am I? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Who am I? Exactly. Well... Yeah. <laughs> and who's Graham Arnold? <laughs> exactly. Socceroos uh, boss, according to who, some. Who is the Socceroos boss? Um, that's the big question uh, after uh, reports supposedly came out on Fox Sports News 500's Bill and Boz program yesterday evening uh, saying that at that point in time, Graham Arnold had already been uh, handed somewhat of an ultimatum by mm. the FFA um, the job is yours, but you have to take it now, uh, and there are no second chances. Do you believe this report, firstly? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it might. It's not to say that it won't happen in the future, but I'd be amazed if the FFA came out and played it like this. Yeah. Given that yeah. a week ago they said they're going to set up a committee of, it seemed, about 200 people to, to sit on, including a couple of ex-players and consultants and board members and staff at the FFA, the medical officer at the FFA, everyone involved, to convene everyone and to say that you're going to do that. And then before the process really gets going, the wheels are in motion, you all of a sudden turn around and say, I oh, know we're going to offer it to Arnie and um, if he doesn't take it, well, that's him, a line through him, we'll move on to the next candidate, whoever the next candidate might be. It's plenty. It seems too far-fetched. Plenty of red flags. He came out and flat denied it today. His agent did the same on Twitter last night, effectively. Um, yeah, it just... And, and this committee that um, was said to be getting together to actually decide uh, what to do moving forward, apparently only met for the first time yesterday evening, the same time when Bill and Boz was on. So it seems a stretch. Is it something you're going to be discussing further on uh, just for yeah. kicks this evening on uh, Fox Sports 1 as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the show tonight. The, the, um, Tara's uh, got the night off and, and Robbie Slater's got the night off. It's no coincidence that 
the Arnold stories come out and Robbie Slate. No, it is a coincidence. <laughs> um, so Ned Zelich is on with myself uh, and Archie. Archie Thompson and Danny McBreen, who knows Graham Arnold very well from their yeah. time at Central Coast Matter. So we'll definitely discuss it, discuss it on Just for Kicks. I'm not sure how long the discussion is going because I think all the guys will probably agree that it's a bit far-fetched and it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. But the, these things will bubble along. I wouldn't be surprised if he has been um, like tapped up, if you want to say, just to, to yeah. gauge his interest. Yeah. Not a take-it-or-leave-it deal or no contracts exchanged or, or nothing like that. It's just yeah. like we would have put it out there to say, are you interested? Um, yeah, to Graham Arnold. Yeah. But these things happen so far beneath the surface if you're looking for a, a job. We'll go back to 2005 when um, Gus Hiddink was approached as, as Socceroos boss. Two people on the planet knew. Not even yeah. Graham Arnold, who went with John Boltby, who was then the FFA's high-performance manager. Those two flew to England to um, interview a couple of candidates, including Dick Alphicart in London. Apparently, Martin O'Neill was was um, talked about as well, the ex Aston Villa manager, now Island manager. And they were going to one other destination, and Graham Arnold didn't even know until the morning that they flew out from London to Eindhoven. It was only then that he realised when he looked at his plane ticket to say that, yeah, we're going to Eindhoven, because at that stage, Graham Arnold was the assistant coach under Frank Lerner, yeah. and he stayed with the FFA, so that's yeah. why he was on that trip. It was only when he saw the plane ticket they were going to Eindhoven that he realised they were going to talk to Gus Hiddink. So he'd flown yeah. the whole way around the world. <laughs> These talks have been going on in the background for quite some time. It was only then that they brought Graham Arnold into the equation that, to, to have a bit of continuity with the system back in 2005. So that's how far it goes in terms of, if you want to call it, sporting espionage or, or mm. keeping things under lock and key. So I'd be amazed if we know the full story until the end result. It seems clear that uh, Arnie is our best homegrown candidate, but mm. it also seems uh, kind of obvious that you recruit an overseas manager to get the best out of the players for this World Cup, let Arnie run out the season, the A-League season with this firing Sydney FC team, and then bring him on after that, no? That would be the common sense approach, but yeah. sometimes um, common sense and uh, <laughs> football or sport get to a fork in the road and they take the two different directions and yeah. they split up. So I wouldn't be surprised if anything happens um, with Graham Arnold or whoever takes the job. But yeah, I, I'm with you. That, that Looking at it from the outside, it would be probably safer for Graham Arnold to do that, to let the, let the, the, the international take the job. But in saying that, it, that's what happened last time after 2006 and they, they, they just tread water and once Gus left, they didn't really appoint anyone. They gave Graham Arnold the go at the Asian Cup. Didn't work. He got a bunch of players that were wrecked by the time and, and they didn't get the most out of those players, but the, they were wrecked. They'd played yeah. four consecutive seasons without a break in the off-season. By the time they got to the 2000 Asian Cup, they just went, what? Graham Arnold actually said to the hierarchy of the FFA at the time, "We want. Uh, I want to take the Olympic team to give them exposure to international competition before taking them to Beijing in 2008 yep. uh, and the hierarchy of the FFA at the time said no get stuff you're taking our best players best players didn't want to be there as he said in that famous interview yeah. it just all turned pear shaped Graham Arnold got a bit of a reputation out of it that he's yeah. tried to salvage through the A-League where he's become the most successful coach of all time uh, in terms of win percentage and, and, and certainly trophies as well so yeah it's a, it, and that's that's where the, the conflict has evolved in Australian football um, circles in terms of the people that support and, and watch and pay a lot of attention to it, that 
you either hate Graham Arnold you, or you like him. <laughs> there's, there's no in-between, it seems. It, it seems quite odd to me that people can't put their emotion aside. And also that the past as well, because we all evolve. Ange Postacoglu failed as a youth coach towards the end of his tenure. He had some good success early in his youth coach tenure with, with Australia. But as it went on, it, it, it turned into a bit of a disaster. So it, it happens. But then he's re, he re-established himself in the A-League did magnificently well at Brisbane, as we know, and, and took over, and everyone was happy with him. But it seems Graham Arnold's got this different reputation, and mm. I can't see um, why people can't look past the cold, hard facts first and foremost, and you can't deny the guy the opportunity at a job like the Australian job when you look at that and you compare it to Ange. Yeah, and, and one last question. Uh, it's the sort of thing discussed on a weekly basis on your Fox Football podcast, which I would highly recommend to everyone out there as well. But for the more casual um, football fan... Talk to me about Arnie Ball because that's one of the other yeah. bits of criticism um, toward, going towards him in terms of him possibly taking over the, the Socceroos' job is they don't want to see the Socceroos playing Arnie Ball at the World Cup. What does that mean? I, I'm not sure what Arnie Ball is because I was pretty sure I saw a Sydney FC side that was damn good to watch on the weekend <laughs> and has been damn good to watch in the last 18 months. It, very effective. Yeah, it's Some call it pragmatic. I, I think it's a bit... Uh, tinged with negativity, if you call it pragmatic, it's just so effective. It, it, Arnie's way of setting up is to to um, get the best out of his team, but also make it hard for the opposition at yeah. the same time. I think you call that defence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but he, he's big on the the transitional <laughs> moments. So if his team's fought, he's always got an eye on what's happening with the, the back four, back five players, where they're positioned on the field. Um, he. he even when teams are attacking, I asked Danny McBrain about this, even when you've got the ball, you've got to be thinking about what happens when you lose the ball three, four steps ahead. So yeah. that's just the way he sets up. That's just the way he does it. It's a, it's it's not the same as Gus Hiddink. It's not the same as Ange Postacoglu. It's not the same as Jose Mourinho. It's not the same as Pep Guardiola. It's his own little way that he's done it. Yeah. And he's... <laughs> it's working. You, 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 you can't disagree with what he's done in the A-League. He went to Japan. People look back on his short tenure at Vigolta Sendai with a bit of trepidation. But he failed over there for a range of reasons. Okay, maybe the football didn't suit over there. But he came into a squad that... Um, a, a club that uh, was trying to move on its senior players. Those senior players were actually the heroes of the town, given what happened not that long before he got there with the tsunami that nearly wiped the place off the face of the earth. Yeah. So it was a very tricky little situation, and he, he couldn't break that down. Mm. And in the end, he got the punt because the players just wouldn't buy in. So yeah. that was essentially why he failed over there it happens um but he's come back here and proven himself with sydney fc but arnie ball it's a bit of a misnomer it is an effective way of doing it. i think everyone gets the jitters when the, the thought of matt simon coming on in the 80th minute against peru when we're chasing a result that that's the thing that scares people but you've got to look beyond that it's it's much much more to it than that it's the the evolving nature of a player like josh Belante or brandon o'neill it's the ability to get the best out of his best players, Milos Ninkovic, Adrian Mirzajewski. Um, his two defenders are great. His goalkeepers improve under him. Y- you can't just tag him with the, oh, Matt Simon's coming on, it's Arnie ball time. It's 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 not, it's not much, much more than that. Yeah, okay. Good, uh, very good insight from you, Adam Peacock. Thank you, Phil. Uh, and we look forward to Just for Kicks tonight at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Could be the last ever episode with uh, Tara Way and me <laughs> getting control of it and Ned on as well. But yeah, a, a heavy Spanish flavour because it's Spanish round. We've got uh, of course. Miguel Mestre, the, um, si, si. the the crazy bull, the, uh, the, the chef. He's actually going to cook paella 
out in the car park tonight. <laughs> I don't know how the hell that's going to work, but I'm looking forward to eating it. Car park payer. I like it. <laughs> Give thanks, it thanks, Peacock. Cheers, Phil. And if you're just catching up, uh, Aussie boxer Jeff Horn did what he needed to do in Brisbane last night, defeating Gary Corcoran. Uh, he stopped Corcoran in the 11th round uh, and here to talk about what next and what now for Jeff Horn is Liam Fitzgibbon of the Fox Sports website. Welcome in, Liam. Thanks, Phil. Always a pleasure. And uh, you were here late last night. What time did you get out of the building after covering the, the big fight? I think it was about quarter past one last, quarter past last one. catching my watch. Yeah, it's not bad. No, not bad. And there's worse, worse jobs than sitting around <laughs> watching live sport and main event boxing so no, fresh, com- no complaints from me fresh perspective there I like it uh, how did you enjoy the fight you're, you're a keen boxing fan yourself um, did you uh, did you think it was a good spectacle I did yeah and I think it lived up to what most people expected um, given yeah. both guys styles very aggressive front foot kind of fighters and I think it was really entertaining and probably more of a, uh, a match than people probably anticipated in terms of the early rounds with Corcoran really taking it to him and yeah um, I think a few people would have given him a sniff of an upset in those early rounds as well. So, no, it was great. And, um, yeah, credit to, to Horn for gradually sort of wearing him down over the rounds. I think uh, his class shone through in the end there. Yeah, and uh, and as you say, that's what people were expecting with the sort of the, the gap in class. Uh, d- was an 11th round stoppage enough? What, what does that do for his uh, reputation now, particularly from those that uh, that aren't yet Jeff Horn believers over uh, over in the States. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think uh, probably a negative for Horn is that it kind of showed, showed us what we already know about Horn, who's um, sort of a scrappy fighter, not technically pretty to what you would say, um, and definitely some, some flaws in there. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to give him credit, he definitely showed, again, his sort of fighting spirit. Um, ability to just, just keep going and stay composed as well. I thought that was really impressive last night. He never, for a bloke under as much pressure as he must have been under, he never really hit the panic button. Um, but in terms of yeah, how he, how he came out looking, um, I don't know if you saw some of the US reaction this morning, and I don't think he necessarily blew anyone away. No. Um, and particularly in terms of that likely or possible matchup with Terence Crawford, yet yeah, there was quite a bit of a negative press from across the Pacific, people saying he's going to get annihilated and uh, mm. it's going to be pretty ugly if, if that bout goes ahead. Yeah, a lot of the um, the boxing experts out there uh, are definitely saying that Terence Crawford, this unbeaten American fighter who's considered one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world is, again, a class or two above Jeff Horn, uh, yet Horn's are one uh, with a belt in this division that uh, has plenty of reasons to uh, for, for Terence Crawford to be interested in a fight. We've already heard um, promoters and um, managers coming out and suggesting a Vegas Crawford Horn fight may occur in April. Uh, where are those sort of negotiations at um, versus any other avenues for Jeff Horn, which would obviously potentially include uh, here on home soil a fight with Anthony Mundine. Yeah, so strictly speaking, that is that is the next fight for Jeff Horn. Um, Mundine. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, uh, Crawford. Ter- Terence Crawford, yeah. who's the yeah. mandatory challenger. So he's coming up a division into the welterweight division. And he's into been, 147? Yep. He's been installed as the number one challenger immediately, given his pedigree, even though he hasn't fought at the division yet. Yeah. So that means by letter of the law, he has to fight Jeff Horn next. 
However, yeah. this is boxing, and quite <laughs> often we see things don't go as they're planned. Um, and I think I've got a sneaky suspicion it won't be his next fight. If you if you listen to Bob Arum after the fight last night, it it sounded like a dead cert that this was going to happen. Yeah. Venues apparently pre-booked uh, for April and get ready. Arum's for, get, offered the Horn Camp his Vegas house. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Everyone book your tickets to Vegas and all this sort of stuff. Look, yeah, if if Jeff Horn was dead keen on this being the next fight, I'm I'm pretty sure it would happen, and I think it will happen at some stage. But uh, a lot of boxing kind of experts would suggest it might be a bit of a foolish move to, for Jeff to rush into this one, given how good Crawford is and how quickly it could probably bring him down a, a rung or two. He's yeah. on a great run. He's kind of yeah. enjoying yeah. this fairy tale story. Maybe this smart to go looking for another so squeeze easier some more fight. Cash. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Make the most of it while you can. Like, who's to say we're not ruling him out of beating Crawford, but definitely can make yourself a bit of a cash. Get that, that, get that record going up before um, before looking at the very, very best, you know. Okay, because that's not going to quieten the critics either uh, if he decides to uh, put that fight on hold for a little while and, and chase some cash if he feels like that could be, you know, uh, the end almost. True, yeah. Uh, but I guess in another way of looking at it is it's an extremely rapid ascent, isn't it? Going from yeah. where he's come from relative obscurity, you know, one, one or more year ago to the absolute potentially best boxer in the world right now uh so i don't think you could blame him maybe for stretching it out a little bit but definitely yeah. if he wants to be uh remembered how i imagine he does it's a fight he's going to have to take in the near future yeah um to prove himself against the best how hard will terence crawford be pushing for this particular fight do you think because there are probably other fighters out there that he could target uh and collect a, a bigger payday potentially yeah he'll be pushing for it um and it's his it's his given right at this stage so if it doesn't happen um he'll be seeking compensation so you can you can pay off a fighter so there was actually an interesting comment from horn's manager this morning about a manny pacquiao rematch perhaps being the next fight yeah and if that was the case then Craw- crawford would have to be compensated yeah okay. um and you mentioned before the other possible bout which is gaining a bit of steam is the the mundane all australian battle <laughs> Um, and he could get away with that one because it would be fought at a different weight class. So Jeff would be going up uh, okay. and it wouldn't be a title fight. So therefore, keep his WBO status and allow that to happen. But I'm sure Terrence Crawford want to be, wouldn't want to be waiting you know, six, seven months for this to happen. So yeah. he'll be pushing hard. And I think that's all that, all that considered. It's probably why still favorite option for his next fight would be that one, I think, Terrence Crawford. Yeah, and I think the Manny Pacquiao rematch is, is a, a good fallback option if if he goes over to the states and um and loses to Crawford he he can then go and target a rematch with Pacquiao supposedly and uh and there's still interest around that that narrative of Horn v Pacquiao I suppose definitely it's it's going to be a great fight no matter when it, when it happens I think yeah. the the plan is if the Crawford fight goes ahead the winner will then fight Pacquiao yeah um but yeah. regardless I think it's a, it's a it's a fight we'll probably see again uh, talk is man he's not keen to come back down under given <laughs> how it all went last time so if it does happen i think it's maybe going to be a u.s there's even a bit of talk about mexico pac-man's a big deal there so um yeah i think we'll see it but where and when is the big mystery and finally that was ironic the the scorecard looked a little bit lopsided last <coughs> night but they were all americans so you know <laughs> exactly who can you blame no it was interesting uh interesting the way it finished up there but i don't i don't think you can deny that he he dominated the fight in the end uh good luck to you jeff Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for joining the Splash, Liam. Thanks, Phil. And thanks to all the listeners and subscribers out there. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned for Friday's edition where we'll try to 
unpack everything going on in the world of cricket uh, and possibly some AFL as well with rules being shaken up through the off-season. And until next time on The Splash, that's a wrap.